Dean Daniel here, thanking Hedwig and Carlo for their continued support. And, um, between you and me, something strange happened. I met up with Tabletop Tim, and it didn't go terribly. Um, we've agreed to do it again, same time next week. I don't know what we are, but something's happening. <laughs> it's very exciting. Hello, welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Vampires were once vulnerable to garlic and fire as medicinal items. As they lack that symbolism today, rule that modern vampires can only be destroyed by paracetamol. Like, I just really like the idea of, um, you know, symbolism like that being updated. Like, vampires are one of the, like, more obvious ones i found, because, you know... We don't believe that garlic can treat things anymore, but we do now accept that a vampire might be defeated if you just, like, vaccinate them. The thing is, I, I would quibble the first part of this, because garlic is a proven antibacterial, and they're trying to find a way to do that, and I have literally been cauterized. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, hospital. they're still you. they're still used, they still have medical purposes, but they're not, like, medicinal items like you wouldn't go to a doctor and be given garlic and set on fire okay so it's more to do with the the wider perception yeah like i like with a lot like because yeah it's magic and it's symbolism and stuff mm -hmm. so it's something that can be considered magical not considered, considered medicinal which does lead to the interesting thing that like if you stab a vampire that won't do anything they're dead mm -hmm. If you stab a vampire while yelling, I need to remove your appendix, that might work. What you so, need to do. Holy water wouldn't work. But among a certain subset, water that you say looked at some <laughs> medicine once might work. <laughs> yeah, what you need to do is like, because you know, in some of the myths, you have to determine whether the vampire is Christian or Jewish or Muslim or what have you, so what holy symbols work. You mm -hmm. have to determine how well the vampire is aware of like medical science. Like, do you want to get, like, actual drugs, or do you need hyper-diluted homeopathy? The first step in defeating a vampire is getting them into essential oils. <laughs> I just I just love the idea of I set up a Facebook page for vampires where I try and convince them that rubbing oils on themselves will cure them of... I don't know what vampires would even need curing of. I mean, some of them want to be cured of vampirism, but yeah. Yeah, I guess if I try and convince vampires that homeopathic humans will, like, make them human again. You take a human and you put them in a swimming pool, and then you take the water from that swimming pool and put it in another swimming pool, and you keep doing that until you have a homeopathic human, and it will be much more powerful than any existing human. It will be able to punch through walls and fly. What if you convince them that homeopathic blood is all that they need, and then they just starve? Just, I just love this vampire just chugging water. Just, why isn't this working? I should be a super vampire. Okay, you convince the vampire of the power of essential oils by tricking them into joining an MLM. 
I love this vampire hunter who isn't trying to kill vampires. They're trying to like financially, financially like steal from vampires by setting up vampire MLMs. I mean, everyone loves MLM vampires, right? I've been on Tumblr. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is what they're talking about. <laughs> we're, we're just getting into what the kids these days want. <laughs> like, because yeah, the thing like, is, how not... good does the medicine have to be? Like, can you just put a Hello Kitty bandage on a vampire? I'm going to say yes, because that's hilarious, because you've just got this incredibly powerful ancient vampire running away from you as you've chased them with plasters. <laughs> you might be able to kill me, but can you kill me before I stick a plaster on your boo-boos? To be fair, some plasters do have silver in them as well. Yeah. Like, Double yeah. Whammy. Oh, so, because werewolves are defeated by silver because it symbolises the moon. Can so I... you could also, also defeat werewolves with plasters. Yeah, plasters are just incredibly useful against supernatural creatures. But what I was going to say is, could I kill a, vamp uh, a werewolf with the uh, Apollo Lunar Lander module? <laughs> it does represent the moon. Yeah, I just need to land it on the werewolf. I, I feel like this is a whole separate one that we need mm. to come back to. I think we should focus on vampires for Neil now. Neil Armstrong can just defeat any werewolf in a straight fight. That would be impressive considering he is in fact dead. It's a supernatural world, like... I, I, will, I will consider the possibility that you could beat a werewolf to death with one of Neil Armstrong's bones. Yes. Anyway, vampires... Because you said about vaccinating before, I do like the idea of just running around with hypodermic needles, jamming them into corpses in case one of them's a vampire. Like, like the steak thing, except far, far smaller. Also, like, would a placebo work? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, if I go to a vampire, yes, this is this is medicine, and in fact, it's just skittle. Will that kill the vampire? If if it is medicinal items. Could we use a vampire to skip a lot of medical testing to determine whether or not a given medicine works? See, the problem is then you're going back to, is it because it's medicine or is it because it's considered medicine? Yeah. Okay, so what we need is we need, so we need to double test, double blind test it. So we have like 10 vampires. Um, we give some of them medicine which isn't particularly well known, so it won't be considered medicine by most people. We give some of them fake medicine. We give some of them popular medicine. We give them some of them fake unknown medicine, and we see which ones burst into flames. Okay, so you're <laughs> suggesting that it's both. I'm suggesting that we need to do like studies to determine which one it is. I'm suggesting that as well as the MLM vampire hunter scam, there's also my hunter organization that just tracks down vampires and rubs things on them to see which ones affect vampires. How do you get close enough to the vampire to rub things on it without getting bitten? I dread um, to ask, but I have to ask. So, as we all know, vampires are weirdly horny for, like, 18-year-olds. That is true. So we just leave, like, you know, a a bland but sexy 18-year-old, and they're just there. And then as the vampires get closer, she rubs something on their face. We're gonna it's go for suggesting we recruit basically children to do experiments on vampires. Yes. 
I fully expect to finally be cancelled as I deserve. <laughs> we just, we just, we just, we just put like the things in a high school, and when the vampires come into the high school, as they apparently enjoy doing, they just swing down and hit them in the face. This will hit a number of children in the face, but will also help us discover what children are weak to. But I mean, it's medicine, so it's fine. Yeah, like you know. We've just we've just put buckets of aspirin over all the doors like with Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I'm just now imagining because there's there's medicinal honey. Yeah. So I'm now wondering, you know, presumably that would hurt a vampire, but yeah. would regular honey? I think what it is, is you rub the honey on the vampire and the vampire just laughs at you. And then you go, that's what you think, that's medicinal honey. And then they burst into flames. Like, you okay, need to... so we are back to, we can convince the vampire that things are medicine. Yeah, you need to write medicinal on the ch tub with um, a sharpie. <laughs> the tub? Yeah, that's where you get honey in tubs. <laughs> I wish I could buy that much honey, honestly. Hmm. You get your bathtub full of honey, you shove the vampire in, and you write medicinal on the side, and then you've defeated Dracula. <laughs> honey is that thing, you write the word medicinal yeah. on the honey, as long as you didn't disturb it too much. You might disturb it by throwing a vampire. Vince enough people had healing hands, it's a magical tap. I guess that is the premise of, like, you know, you can cast healing on the undead and it kills them. Huh, I just combined two things. <laughs> You can also beat a fairy to death with a laptop. If you're going with iron represents like, you know, society and civilization and technological process as opposed to nature and whimsy. And therefore you can both beat a fairy to death with a laptop and hit them down with a car. I don't think either of these are made of iron traditionally. No, but they are like, you know, symbolizations of um, human civilization. Could you beat a fairy to death with a copy of the game Civ? Yes, I'm going to say yes. If you get a fairy, if you trick a fairy into playing uh, the game Civilization, it will burst into flames. That is, I believe, what happens in a number of traditional uh, European folk tales. I think so, yeah. But back in those days, obviously, it had to be a board game, and it was a really big board. I also think at this point it might be time to move on to questions <laughs> before we just okay. go through ways to trick every supernatural creature. Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history we delve into a lot of different things so if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack uh, or why you are using a fork right now then come over to bread and thread and give us a listen you can find us on spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know.
So anyway, on to goblins. Um, so our first question is from Anon. Uh, I said that like Anon is a person. Thank you for all your various questions, Anon. Uh, where, what are the best and worst public places to have a game session? Funeral for both. I can say from experience that a pub is a surprisingly bad place to have a game session. Yeah, I can imagine. I think it's going to be great. And then people who've had a little bit too much to drink come over and try and join in or ask you about the game. Mm. Like, I think in terms of best, it needs to be somewhere where people aren't going to come and talk to you. Like, I feel like, okay, so this is going to make me sound like a twat. But I feel a graveyard would possibly be a good place if it was the right right kind of game. As long as there's not a funeral happening, obviously. Yeah, like an, an old graveyard. Yeah. Or like, you know, an, one of... Like, if you get to a safe place, one of those, like, abandoned buildings, the urban explorery buildings. Oh, that would be very good. Yeah, like especially, yeah, if especially if it's like a horror or conspiracy or supernatural themed one. Mm. And like, if it's a horror one, you can also release a serial killer into the building at the same time, um, to like, you know, increase the mood. Just your your pet serial killer that you have on hand. Like you know, you just call your friend who's a serial killer, and you're like, "Hi, Steve. Um, would you mind helping out with my game night? I know I insult you regularly on probably bad RPG ideas, but I feel like I do also need to just say the obligatory: go play in a library, support your local library. They need footfall. Yeah, I think my in terms of worst places. Funeral. Playground. Yeah, playground. My mind for some reason jumped to maternity ward. That would be pretty bad. <laughs> Just the Intr occasional scream from up the hall. Introduce the babies to like RPGs early. What is like... maternity ward for if not character creation? <laughs> but um No, you spent the previous nine months creating the character. This is just their debut. So it just just sounds like a really weird pickup line. Hey, want me want to like join me in some character creation? It's that's a really the weird pickup line because that's not let's have sex. That's let <laughs> me impregnate you. Yes. You will notice I have not successfully picked a person up before. <laughs> uh, other bad places. Um... In the feel... middle of a shopping centre in December. Hmm. Just sat on the floor right outside of a jewellery shop. What you need to do, yeah, is sit, sit in the store in the middle of December and take all of the, like, most uh, prized, like, things people buy and just put them in the game as props so no one else can get them. <laughs> the must-have toy of the year represents the BBEG. You can't have it till we're done. <laughs> Uh, you will either get people very annoyed or you will be literally murdered. But then you just bring back your friend Steve to take yeah. revenge. Yeah. This, I, I really, like, Steve the serial killer is really useful and it's a shame that I've completely alienated him by repeatedly insulting him on my podcast. Yeah, Steve is your go-to name for, like, an absolute shithead. <laughs> it's just, I apologise to any listeners called Steve. 
Stop sitting. If your name is Steve and you're listening to this, stop send killing us an people. email explaining how you're not a shithead. Otherwise, we will continue to assume you are. Right. Um, what are good public places? I noticed all the good public places I suggested are places where there won't be the public. Yeah, like, I think the main good ones would be like a library, a game shop. Hmm. I mean, a game shop. You expect groups of people to do things. Um, blah, blah, blah. Train might work if you want, like, a strict limit on how long the game can. You could do. You could do a short RPG on a train. Yeah. Like, if you're getting the train, I don't know, hmm. from York to London or something, you could probably get a one shot done. Hmm. Ooh, courtroom, and then. You can argue to, like, the court, but no, you don't understand, I didn't do any of those crimes. I was just role-playing. Allow me to demonstrate. What you do is you book your game, your game group tickets to the Orient Express, and then you play a murder mystery. Genius. I, I think said what... that as a joke, but I'm kind of into it. <laughs> I think what you need to do is book them to... um. A completely different train that you insist is the Orient Express, while you were also able to go to the Orient Express. Well, it's like, like how many well-known trains are there? Because that's the only one I could think of. Flying Scotsman. Uh, there aren't any well-known trains. Um, that is a firm blanket stance I'm saying here. Uh, but you're just on like the ten fifteen to Liverpool, but you're insisting it's the Orient Express. It's it's certainly an option. Mm. On that note, at the ten fifteen to Liverpool. Well, Liverpool. That's a public <laughs> place. Are you saying it's just a bad idea to play RPGs in Liverpool? <laughs> I'm saying cordon off all of Liverpool and say that it's your RPG thing for the day. Everyone has to leave. How so is people? is this like a large scale LARPing thing, or just no one's allowed to be in the same city as your game group? Um, okay, it's a large-scale um, LARPing thing, but to avoid breaking immersion, because the LARP isn't set in Liverpool, no one else is allowed to be in Liverpool. That makes sense. You don't want, you don't want any Scousers there reminding you that you're in Liverpool. There are 500,000 people in Liverpool. Like, you know, I'm sure... Not you anymore! Could... <laughs> I'm sure you could book hotels for them. And by you, I mean the council, obviously, you can't book hotels for them. The need to clarify as someone living in Manchester, I do not feel the need to remove everyone from Liverpool. I don't. I, I don't know. I have Liverpool, been there. I like it. Liverpool was just the first city I thought of. Um, and I guess I'm now committed to removing everyone from Liverpool. Apparently, um, if your name. If your name's Steve and you're from Liverpool, come fight me. So, second question is also anonymous. How would you put industrialization in a setting? By not Bad. playing D&D. Badly. <laughs> like... We went in two very different directions there, <laughs> and I like it. Yeah, I think... So, this is, this is the hot take I put on Twitter, which you know is a good start to a sentence. <laughs> 
which is yeah, D and D is a game that is very like it's a game that's designed to do a very specific thing, and that very specific thing is a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And you know that's why I have like the rules for social interaction are so sparse because you know you're not meant to be doing social interaction other than occasionally. Um, so in a D and D game, you know it it'd probably be fine if it was like you know just fluff, like you're still doing a dungeon crawl, but now it's a dungeon full of like gears and robots and stuff. Yeah, because they have they have mechanics in that, don't they? So they yeah, they theoretically you can have clockwork in a D and D game. Yeah, like you know, it would just like it'd just just be the same game, but like it's refluffed. So instead of an orc, it's a robo orc. But yeah, I don't think it's good for setting building very much. Partly because as soon as you start building the setting, you start raising the question of wait, should we be stabbing all these goblins? But yeah, yeah I would. I think, I think you, like I said it kind of jokingly, but my genuine answer is play a different RPG. <laughs> but yeah, I think if you do want to have an industrialization in like your standard fantasy um I don't know, fuck it, give everyone guns. Give everyone guns except your players and make the dungeon really hot. That's the only industrialization is guns. Uh it's the only one they invented, yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you could you could maybe do a sort of very early industrialization just like and over there there is a factory you won't be going in there mm. but yeah i think in term yeah so i think what you would need to do i think the interesting things you could look at would be firstly um is this magical industrialization or technological industrialization mm. like are we mass producing magical items or are, do we now have technology as a rival to magic because both of those would be interesting because in a lot of D&D, like, you know, powers basically cemented in the handful of people who have incredibly powerful magic powers. Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's set up for a majocracy. Yeah. And if I have a gun, then I'm suddenly a lot more of a threat to a powerful wizard than if I just have my fists. And I feel you could do something interesting with, like, you know, it's unlikely the wizards are going to go down easily. Hmm. And like, yeah, I feel like if it's like, yeah, the wizards have ruled for ages. Now with guns and I'm sure there's other things human beings have invented other than guns. Like bringing in trains as a means of fast travel could be quite good. Yeah. That might also work because in a lot of D&D, there's sort of the conceit that, you know, the dwarves live in one place, the elves live in one place, the humans live in one place, the orcs live in one place. And like, you get the occasional interspersion, but generally they're all in their own place. Yeah, and it's like, that's never how the world has worked. Why would this world be different when they have magical travel? But yeah, now, with trains, um, yeah, they can do that, like, properly. And you can have, like, the different cultures meeting. And you can maybe have a kind of, hey, the orcs aren't that bad. Or, you know, the orcs are that bad, but at least they're not all that bad. One of... In one of the games I have, um, Cryptomancer... It's mentioned that essentially the reason there are orc raiders is because the um, main orc-like nation is just incredibly hyper-capitalist. And so to prevent the underclass from rebelling, they send them off to attack other, other nations so that they think they have a glorious purpose and also, you know, die. 
And I mean, one that, of the, that does make a lot of sense. And one of the possible story arcs it has is you and the orcs realizing that your enemies aren't each other. They're the nobles that both of you have who are pitting you against each other to prevent you from rising up against them. Uh, this is in no way representative of real life. Please don't take any real world inspiration from that story. But it would be an interesting way of like doing the whole thing. Of like, you know, you, for all this time, orcs and goblins have just been vicious raiders. But now that there's fast travel and that there's mass communication, you know, you can interact with them in a way that's more peaceful. And you learn that, hey, maybe like, maybe there's more nuance here than just rampaging raiders. And maybe the real enemies aren't the orcs that have to like grab an axe and run across the world to fight you. I like that. It's um, it's industrialization as kind of an impetus for the plot rather than as this yeah. big setting thing. Yeah, and like, yeah, because I think because like D and D has a lot of the starting points for industrialization. It's got enchanted items. It's got permanent spells. It's got constructs. Yeah, and I guess I feel the other way would be some kind of like magical hypercorp, and then you've got Shadowrun. Mm. Basically, um, play Shadowrun. Or maybe don't, I've never played Shadowrun, maybe it's awful. I've heard very mixed things about Shadowrun. Play Shadowrun, and then email us, vis-a-vis, whether or not it was a good idea for us to suggest people play Shadowrun. Yeah, I mean, I have been tempted by it a couple of times. Send us your Shadowrun reviews. Yeah. Uh, next, next pod, next episode is just um, us reading people's reviews of Shadowrun. Assuming we get Shadowrun reviews. I said I mean, next it, podcast. It's probably, probably bad podcast. I said say next podcast rather than next episode. So I hope you enjoyed a probably bad podcast. Sign back in for a new podcast, which is just me talking about Shadowrun, a game I have never played. There's orcs in it, I believe. Are there orcs in it? There might be orcs in it. <laughs> I like there that, because you, you could say it about literally anything. And Yeah, any game might have orcs in it. Um, so yes, we do have an email address. Probablybadpodcast.gmail.com And we also have a Patreon, where you get access to... Homebrews, bonus episodes, small games, and a Discord server where we play one-shots mostly based on Probably Bad RPG Ideas. That's patreon.com slash Probably Bad RPG Ideas. And yeah, if you have a question, email it to us, DM us on Twitter at badprobably, message us on Tumblr, Probably Bad RPG Ideas. I'm saying probably bad a lot, and it no longer feels like it means anything. This is the problem with our name, is that now if we need to refer to something in real life as probably bad, we are incapable of doing so without giving an advertisement. Um, But yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And, oh yeah, I remember to have a probably bad day. I can re- podcast. It's definitely remember- not been multiple years. I remember to have a probably bad day. <laughs>